0: This past Thursday, the Geminid meteor shower peaked. How many of you knew about that? Exciting news. Every year it comes, and this year it was particularly good because there was a waxing young crescent moon, and so there would be good dark skies for people who wanted to get up at 2 a.m. And watch it to be able to see that if you lived outside of an area of what they call light pollution that's because those bright bursts of rocks hitting our atmosphere and burning up show up best if it's dark in this year it was particularly dark the darker the setting the more significant the light that's coming through I'd like to say that's why the subject of Christmas tends to overtake us. Is that a fair word to use about the Christmas season, it overtakes us? That's what happens this time of year. I'd like to say it because, or I'd like to say that it overtakes us, not because it has become totally commercialized and sentimentalized to the point where you can't escape it, maybe without even realizing it too much, there are a lot of people who are overtaken deep down with the thought that we need Jesus, we need something in our lives. And I would like to think that that's why Christmas overtakes us. It's important that way, that people need that light That shines in the darkness that is this present world in fact the darker the setting the more significant is the light Amen I hope that's true because I'm going to keep saying that this morning You see that's the positive context for what could otherwise sound negative this morning so much of Christmas has been idealized Hasn't it the night is silent Even during a drum solo by a poor drummer boy. It's still silent somehow. There are talking, friendly animals, all standing at attention around the manger that is filled with clean straw that smells good. There is this pain-free birth of a little child who glows. And no crying he makes. All is calm. All is bright. Heavenly peace. Why do we do that? Could it be we don't want to deal with the harsh purpose of Jesus' birth? When you look at the nativity scene, honestly, it isn't really a peaceful scene. In fact, I think the the birth of Jesus could probably more accurately be compared to a, a covert raid by Navy SEALs who are in to take out a terrorist and rescue a bunch of hostages. But there are certain situations where that squad of Navy SEALs is very much what we need. Bear it in mind, the darker the setting, the more significant is the light. There are some places that get this right. Some places start with the fact that there was a reason for Jesus to make this journey to earth in the first place. What child is this? This Is another one of the Christmas songs that is sung in a minor key. And that fits the message of it well. Verse 2 says this, Why lies he in such mean a state where ox and ass are feeding? Good Christians fear, for sinners hear the silent word is pleading. Nails, spears shall pierce him through the cross. Be born for me, for you. That deep purpose hung over the head of this little boy. After Jesus was 40 days old and Joseph and Mary brought him to the temple, Simeon was also there. Remember Simeon. And he told Mary, Luke chapter 2, and I'd like to invite you to to open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. We're going to be looking there at, guess what, the Christmas story quite a bit this morning. In verse 34, he says this about that baby boy. Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. <clears throat> I think that if we try to make the whole Christmas setting, bright and shiny and full of joy, that we tend to diminish the light of heaven in our own eyes. If we try to take the image of God and condense it into human flesh to fit it into our holiday package, then the real gift of heaven will just get, you know, tossed aside like the the package of reindeer underwear that your aunt sent you for Christmas. This mission on earth that included God binding himself into a human body deserves far more honesty, far more attention, I think, than that because here comes Jesus into what? Well, first into darkness, dark times. He was born at night, that's literally true. How do we know that Jesus was born at night? Well, that's when the angels appeared to the shepherds and say, he's born. They're in the dark. They're keeping their flocks at night. All was not bright. How is it bright in the middle of the night? It was nighttime. But that's not so off the wall for babies to be born at night. That happens all the time. I couldn't help but think, though, of John 13, 30. Where, at the scene of the Last Supper. Jesus has just outed Judas Iscariot. And he tells him, it's time. What you do, go do it, quickly. In John 13, 30, it says, he immediately went out and it was night. Ominous, isn't it? It was night. When Judas left to commit the most horrible act of betrayal, John simply says, And it was night the physical darkness just punctuates the spiritual darkness of what's going on and when Jesus was born it was night that's the world he was entering it was a dark time in Israel's history Rome remember controlled the world including Israel that's part of the Christmas story It's how Luke sets the scene. Chapter two, verse one, as Luke begins to tell the story of Jesus' birth, what does he talk about? In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. That's all Roman stuff. They collected taxes, they used force to get things done. Israel's freedom as a nation was this long forgotten thing of the past. Remember the old days when our ancestors were free? Those were gone. Poverty, real poverty was widespread in Israel. It was the norm in the Roman Empire, And, and I think today in our culture, we have a hard time putting that into context, poverty. I wish that every person could take at least one short mission, short-term mission, short mission trip to some third-world country and see what that's like, because it helps your perspective to be around people who eat one meal a day if things go well. At the time of Jesus' birth, some 90% of the population had continuous problems of sustenance, We go to Woodman's and complain that a certain brand of eggnog is out. More than two-thirds of them lived in what's labeled as severe or extreme poverty. When Joseph and Mary came to the temple to present the sacrifice of those who had had a birth in the family 40 days afterwards, they came to present two young turtle doves. It was the alternate sacrifice for poor people who couldn't afford a lamb. Where poverty is persistent, so are other problems like disease and theft and violence. It was a dark climate. The Jews themselves were divided. Did you know that the Jews had factions in their leadership? Scribes, Pharisees, Sadducees, Zealots, Essenes. Everyone holding on to their own traditions and views, arguing over different parts of the Old Testament law. The priesthood had become corrupted by politics, can you imagine? And when an angel announced that John the Baptist was going to be born, it's very little wonder that he said this about him. Luke 1 verse 17, if you back up just a little bit. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Those hearts needed to be turned because there were dark days in Israel. They were dark days in the lives of Joseph and Mary too. Remember Joseph, when he's first introduced to us, he's all set to divorce his wife, his betrothed, finding out that she's pregnant. Their hometown gang would remember that. And then, with the trip to Bethlehem, Mary had to go through delivery and birth without a proper setting for Jesus to be born. No room, no room for God and human flesh to be born. He came to that which was his own, and his own people did not receive him, John says in John 1. Dark days hung over what was supposed to be a happy occasion. Now, add to that a king appointed to rule over the area, Herod the Great. Herod the Great, who suspected two of his 10 children, his two sons were trying to take over his throne so he arranged for their murder. Herod the Great. The same Herod who wanted the baby Jesus found and killed, and so he ordered the baby boys of Bethlehem to be killed. Joseph, Mary, and the baby make a quick escape to Egypt until that Herod is dead. When those who are in positions of authority treat human life like it really isn't that important, bad things happen in a country. Seems there have always been cultures through history that devalued human life. That's not unique to our times. But you know what, that's never been okay. It was a dark time. For the Christmas story to make any sense at all, a person has gotta take an honest look at the world into which Jesus was born. The reason that he came was because the need was so great. The world he came to save was a dark place. And I want to tell you, this morning, it is okay to ponder that this Christmas. Remember, the darker the setting, the more significant is the light. And you're thinking, I came here to be cheered up this morning. (laughs) Stay tuned. Here comes Jesus. Here comes Jesus into the dark. And he is bringing bright light. It should come as no surprise that Jesus' entrance into the world includes a lot of language. Study it sometime. A lot of language about the appearance of light. John chapter 1. John said, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. After John the Baptist was born, just getting ready for Jesus' birth, his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and he broke into prophecy about what was going to happen. This is in Luke also, right at the end of chapter 1, verse 76. Luke chapter 1, verse 76. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. You see, somebody who understands that he's in a dark place is more likely to welcome someone bringing light, aren't they? That's how Jesus was described before he was born. The night of his birth, there was an announcement that certain poor shepherds will never forget partly because the light of the Lord scared the willies out of them that's in Luke chapter 2 verse 8 in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night and an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear and the angel said to them fear not behold I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord that world was a dark place and you know that night may have been a literally very dark night but here comes Jesus and along with that announcement of his birth there's this supernatural light show we already looked at some of the words of Simeon when Jesus had reached 40 days old. God had promised Simeon that he wouldn't die until he had seen the Christ. And that scene at the temple, when the baby Jesus is brought in, Simeon, it says, took him in his arms. And he says these words, chapter two of Luke, verse 29, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. A light for revelation, for glory. Jesus brought light. All along through this series, I've been mentioning some of the songs of Christmas. Those are pretty important part of Christmas, aren't they? The things that we sing, those really matter to a lot of us. I've ruined some of them for you. But one of those, I think, that deserves a mention right here is the song "God Rest You, Mary, Gentlemen." Now, for those of you like me who like details, there it is. you're going to appreciate that comma after the word "Mary." Did you know that's there? It should be. Because the title of the song and the purpose of the song is not to say, God rest you, you merry gentlemen. God bless you and help you, you happy guys. No, it is a blessing. God rest you merry. It's a way of saying, may God give you good peace, good joy in your life. God rest you merry, you guys. That's really what it's about. May God give you a happy, reassuring peace. Now, sing the rest of the song. Where does that come from? Where do we get tidings of comfort and joy? We get it by remembering that Jesus came to earth to save us from Satan's power when we had gone astray. That's where blessings of tidings of joy come from. God, rest you Mary. That's why we can do that. Because Jesus came. Bringing light. Now, Jesus came into a dark world. He came bringing very bright light. And that's good news, amen? But it goes beyond that. Christmas isn't just a time of year for us to sit back and bask in that and soak all of that in. There is something for people who are currently walking in that light to do. I've labeled it repeat. The world was a dark place when Jesus was born. He came and he brought bright light into that scene. Now, you and I are supposed to do the same. Repeat. Repeat the sounding joy. Repeat the sounding joy. Repeat, repeat the sounding joy. We're going to take a few minutes to pray about that very thing here in a few moments. Jesus said this as early as Matthew chapter 5 he said you are the light of the world a city set on a hill cannot be hidden nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house in the same way let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven in other words If God's light has shined in your life, repeat. Later, Paul reminded the Christians in Philippi, in Philippians chapter 2, Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God, without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. I understand that sometimes the darkness that we're living in, in this world, can feel overwhelming, especially when we start talking about how we're supposed to shine a light out into it. That sounds kind of ominous, doesn't it? Things are looking kind of dark, and it's kind of tough to think about, well, I'm going to go and shine a light into that and make a difference. Well, today, maybe with the whole Christmas story on your mind, you could remember with me that the darker the setting, the more significant is the light. This light that God puts into our lives, the light of life, John calls it. We're supposed to shine that. I think Satan would love to convince you there's no point in trying to shine like a light in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. And I beg to differ. I'm not afraid to say that the dark is indeed very dark, but I'm also not afraid to say that the light is very much more. The world to which Jesus came was a dark place, and that's Satan's work. He's the one who's been at work trying to darken people's ability to see the truth and respond to it, and in a lot of cases, he wins. But here comes Jesus. Here comes Jesus bringing bright light and it shines the brightest where it's the darkest. A lot of people I know are facing challenging times this time of year. We got a lot of people in our church family who are feeling the weight of things. I just want to encourage you to remember that Jesus brought bright light into the greatest of darkness. There is a, a true story that I think fits this really well. 1954, Jim Lovell, took off from the aircraft carrier of the USS Shangri-La on a nighttime training flight. And unfortunately, there was some kind of a problem in his navigation system. He wasn't able to use it to find his way back to the ship. That was followed then by a short circuit in his instrument panel and lights interior of the airplane so that everything went totally dark, which left him without any lights, any flight instruments, out over the ocean. I want to show you a clip from a movie, Apollo Thirteen. All right, where they have Jim Lovell, Tom Hanks, retelling this story in what was a recorded interview. the The interview is being played on TV in the Lovell home, where friends and family are watching because at that moment Jim Lovell is in outer space, facing what could be a terrible tragedy. But he tells this story about what happened. So he's in space, he's on a mission where something has gone terribly wrong, and they play this interview. Apollo
1: 13 Commander Jim Lovell has more time in space, almost 24 days already, than any other man. And I asked him recently if he ever was scared. Oh, well I've had an engine flame out a few times in an aircraft and was kind of curious as to whether it was going to light up again, things of that nature, but uh, they seem to work out. Is there a specific instance in an airplane emergency when you can recall here? Uh, well, I tell you, I remember this one time. I'm uh, I'm in a Banshee at night in combat condition, so there's no running lights on the carrier. Uh, it was the Shangri-La, when we were in the Sea of Japan. And my my radar had jammed, and my homing signal was gone because somebody in Japan was actually using the same frequency, and so it was it was leading me away from where I was supposed to be. And I'm looking down at a big black ocean, so. Uh, I flip on my map light, and then suddenly, zap, everything shorts out right there in my cockpit. All my instruments are gone, my lights are gone, and I can't even tell now what my altitude is. Uh, I know I'm running out of fuel, so I'm thinking about, uh, about ditching in the ocean, and I, I look down there, and then in, in the darkness, there's this, uh, there's this green trail. It's like a long carpet that's just laid out right beneath me, and it was the algae, right? It was that phosphorescent stuff that gets churned up in the wake of a big ship and it was it was it was just leading me home and now if my cockpit lights hadn't shorted out there's no way i'd have ever been able to see that so uh, you uh you never know what what events are going to transpire to get you home
0: jesus said in john 12 i have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. You could have that light today. No matter how dark the darkness may seem that hangs over you, here comes Jesus bringing light into the dark. And he wants us who have received that light to do the same. Some years back, uh, I sat in a hospital room with my wife and the lights were off and she had delivered our uh, our first our second son. There were complications during the delivery it was becoming Clear that he was either going to be very badly damaged or not even survive. And we were trying to, she was trying to recover from a surgery. I was trying to soak all of this in. We were there by ourselves sitting in this dark room. And for hours we just sat there kind of overwhelmed by it. And that morning from Wichita, mom and dad Sills suddenly burst into the room. And one of them looked at us and right away walked over to the blinds and opened them up. And light flooded into that room. And it was a really good illustration and a real life situation for us that pointed out to us that just sitting in the dark and in the gloom wasn't a good thing for us. How thankful we were for somebody who stepped in and lit things up. I want to tell you this morning that if you're in the dark you don't you're not helping yourself by just staying in the dark Jesus wants to come into your life and bring light and change things and this morning you could have that in your life I'm inviting you to make that decision to follow Jesus